how are you doing today? Good. Want to welcome you. Want to welcome those of you watching in Duval, Issaquah, and online. Issaquah is having the Salmon Days, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, any of you go to the Salmon Days? We celebrate the salmon, and then we eat them. That's pretty much what we uh, do. It's sort of weird when you think about it. Uh, we're looking uh, today at things that are maybe easier to start than to finish. Uh, how many of you would say it's maybe easier to get in shape than it is to stay in shape? Any of you say would raise your hands and say that's true? Okay, you don't think either is easy, do you? Uh, it, it's, uh, it's easier to get married than stay married. It's easier to conceive children than to raise children. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today, conceiving children. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What we're talking about are those things that maybe we start and we bail on, and particularly when it comes uh, to our faith. We've all uh, bailed on certain things in our life. Maybe uh, it's been a diet, uh, a sport, uh, a friendship, uh, all sorts of things, and there's... uh, a passage in the Bible that talks about when people bail on their faith. And this one isn't in your outline. It's from from Revelation. And let's see if I can get my computer back on. Actually, I'll just make up a verse. How does that go? That would be good today. So I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, yet I hold this against you. This is Jesus speaking in this book of the Bible that we're often afraid of. You have forsaken your first love. And really what he's talking about, he's talking to a group of people who had started well in faith, but bailed on it in some, uh, at some point. And, and they were still actually just saying, hey, you know, we're still in the game. They were, they were walking, going through the motions, but it hadn't set deep in their hearts and their lives anymore. And I talk to many people who, who that has been their experience uh, when it comes to faith. And we're going to look at uh, some of the reasons why do we bail? Why do we bail uh, really on anything, but why do we bail on our faith in particular? Uh, sometimes it can be a sense of failure where we haven't lived up to our own expectations, what we think God wants, and somehow we forget about the grace of God. Uh, and, it, and we bail. We all do this in other areas of our life. We feel like we're not good at something, and so we just don't try anymore. Uh, and, and that's natural, but when it comes to our faith, it can be devastating. There's frustration. Uh, we can uh, bail on something. Uh, I almost bailed on my bank this week because I was frustrated. I, uh, I was going through my statement, and I had gotten a fee on one account I had it was $15 for overuse of this one account. And I, I was sort of mad about that. I thought, hey, I'm a great customer. I've been a customer since I've been, you know, 16 years old. And, and I'm like, hey, I just need to really, you know, go tell them what I think about this. So I didn't want to go to the branch next to my house because most of the tellers actually go to the church and I was afraid I would lose my witness at the moment. <laughs> and, and, you know, like I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to pull all my money, which is, you know, going to endanger the liquidity of Wells Fargo, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, so I, I'm going there. So I go down to another branch. First thing I walk in, the manager greets me. Pastor Ben, good to see you today. I said, oh gosh. <laughs> I should have went to First Pagan Federal or something like that, you know? <laughs> but, but, you know, we get frustrated and we walk away from something. It's natural and it happens. There's also false teaching. 
Uh, when it comes to faith, we can get this, sometimes that latest new idea. I've said this before. If you're around a church uh, that says, we have the one new great idea and we do it the right way, most likely that's a bit cultish because God has revealed himself. The great thing about God is when you seek him, he's been seeking you long before that. And there can be teaching like that that can uh, lead us astray. And then there's fear. Uh, We're afraid of what it would mean to say, okay, God, I I really, I'm all in with you. Uh, I, I really am going to say, I'm putting all my bets on you. I was talking to a friend of mine Uh, who, an executive with a large corporation at the very top of the food chain, and uh, the the coach that the corporation hired, executive coach, said, well, you know, to be CEO, which would be the next one, you would have to do this, and the guy had gotten to know him, but he said, it seems like, you know, you're not willing to do this because there's some aspects about your faith that keep you from doing that. So you're going to have to ignore that, put your faith on hold for a while, so you can do this. And he said, which is, I mean, admirable. He said, that's just not something I'm willing to do. See, all of these things can work together. And it may be something quite different. Uh, it may be someone who has hurt you. That's often a big one. And we can distance ourselves from that relationship with God that is life-giving. What we're going to do, and we've done in each week in this series, Come Back, is we've looked at someone in the Bible who's had a comeback story. And the greatest comeback story we find uh, when it comes to faith is that of Peter. He, he's a guy, he, he started uh, out well. He was, he was unsure about his own uh, worthiness to follow Jesus. He was a fisherman. Uh, he had the spiritual awareness. Jesus performs a miracle and goes, Jesus, you need to get away from me because I'm I'm a sinful person. You're looking for good religious people. Go ahead and keep on looking. But Jesus called him, and he had a a great uh, ministry with Jesus. And in fact, uh, we read this one account where he he sort of gets it right. Uh, Peter often would speak uh, first, not always correctly. And and we read this in uh, Matthew 16. It says, uh, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So it's sort of like, uh, you know, you get the quiz right. And uh, so he's at this high point now. It's like, you know, yeah, no one else got it right about who Jesus really is. And then uh, he's like, you know, I'm all in for you. And then not too uh, much further down the line in that chapter, we read, Jesus told them, this very night, all of you will fall away on account of me. And at this point, Peter's going, hey, you know, they might fall out. These guys are wimps. You know, I can imagine that. This Thomas, he can never, he doubts everything. Uh, You know, Judas, watch him. He's got the money, but I think he's pocketing some. But, you know, me, I'm never going to fall away. Peter replied, Matthew 26, 33, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And as I read Peter's story, and I hope your story is different than this, it's reminiscent 
of times in my walk in my faith with Jesus Christ. And I, I wasn't one of those Sunday school kids who came to faith, and, and that, which is awesome, and then followed Jesus and maybe had a little bit of a difficulty. I didn't know Jesus at all, and as a teenager, for the first time, uh, came to, to uh, know Jesus personally. I wasn't raised in our round church, but I had my own periods where I started to wander and fall away. And you might have that, had that as well. We see for Peter, of course, it was most profound because for Peter, uh, he had declared uh, loyalty, fidelity to Jesus, that, that there was nothing that he wouldn't do. And yet when Jesus is going to the cross, we read what happens. Jesus had predicted what was going to happen. He told him, and, and Peter said, no, not me. Uh, as a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight, she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little uh, later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered. I mean, you think about that for a moment, though. Think about that. Peter is, is he's saying, no, Jesus, I'll never give up on you. Everyone else may fall away, but not me. Uh, and then at that point, I don't know what the look was in Jesus' face. I don't think it was anger. Uh, could it have been disappointment? I'm not sure. But, but maybe that, that look of, you know, I, I, I love you, Peter, and I, and I need you in this moment. And Peter, his just world just falls apart. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This was a low point uh, for Peter. Uh, this is when he was at his lowest. And uh, we've actually studied before uh, Jesus' response. After Jesus had went to the cross and rose from the dead and he appears to his disciples, he seeks out Peter in particular. And he says, Peter, I, I, I want to I, I check out what you're doing because I still love you. I still haven't given up on you. And we're told in John 21 that, uh, that Peter uh, is restored by Jesus. In this process, though, Peter is changed. And uh, he, all, he has not just a new faith because it's not a new faith. He has what in some ways is a better than new faith when he comes back to Jesus. Now, we know throughout, uh, I wouldn't say church history, you know throughout world history the, the effect of what happens, that Peter becomes a, a leader in the early church uh, he's changed from the inside out. Uh, and we get glimpses of Peter's life, how that happens in the book of Acts. But I think in, in the books that he penned, First and Second Peter, we get to see sort of what he's learned in the process. And maybe uh, you're here today and you say, hey, Ben, I never want to go to that place where I bailed on my faith. 
Well, I think you're going to learn something from Peter in how he went through that process. You might be here and say, I don't even have faith. You'll definitely learn. But maybe you find yourself somewhere in the middle, somewhere uh, waffling. Maybe it's not in belief. Maybe it's in behavior. And you'd say, what would, what's my way? What, what is, what's my way of moving forward? I, I think we learn a lot as we look at glimpses from 1 Peter. First uh, Peter 1.3 says this. It says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. And, and he knew that, that his hope was real and it was true. And it was still for him, despite what he had gone through, despite his failures and his frailties. And really what we learned from him is how to make a spiritual comeback. Uh, and uh, what would that look like? Well, the first element of that we find in the second half of the verse, and it's our first fill-in, is it starts with Jesus. Uh, that, that really, that is the deep end of the pool theologically. We read uh, this uh, in the latter part of the verse. It says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It, it's sort of like uh, when you, uh, if you've been through recovery, I talked to a lot of people after last weekend who said, you know, I so appreciated uh, the, the story we heard, the testimony that was around alcohol addiction because I've been through the 12-step programs. And, you know, if you've been through that and you've had a setback, it, it's, it, it's important to say, hey, have I missed a step in the process? Have I really started with Jesus? It could be, you know, you come to uh, uh, Timberlake and, you know, you say, hey, I like the church and I hope you love the church, uh, you know, not just because it's, you have an awesome pastor. I hope there's other reasons as well. I, uh, but really the goal is, is that you would fall in love with Jesus Christ and that you would know his passion for you and that you would know that no matter what you're going through, what you've done or has been done to you, that Jesus is enough. Now, I know when I say it starts with Jesus, of course, this can also, on another end, it can assault uh, today uh, pluralism. And, you know, how we have uh, plural when it comes to belief systems. Now, part of it, allowing different belief systems is a great thing. I think any country that would have like a state religion, that never works. It always coercion. And in the free marketplace of ideas, I think Christianity does quite, quite well. Uh, but some of us would say, well, is it, you know, to say that Jesus is, you know, that real faith starts with Jesus, the only people who don't believe real faith starts with their faith are people of no faith. If you talk to someone who's uh, Muslim or uh, Hindu or Buddhist or uh, Jewish or whatever, they're going to say, no, we have this certain, certain belief, and it's for us to determine what is true. In fact, I was talking to a guy out in the lobby uh, just a couple weeks ago, and uh, he had been raised and practicing Muslim until about eight years ago. And he described sort of his when he really came to terms with Jesus, and he said, the grace of Jesus, he said, this was, was just so different, and I wanted to be all in. Well, we can start there, uh, but it's important, too, to not get sidetracked. Uh, we, and we find this in uh, 1 Peter 
as well. He says, your faith and your hope are in God. And we can start there, uh, but oftentimes we can get distracted or sidetracked. Uh, again, even, you know, in uh, uh, our Christian community, you know, we'll think, well, you know, okay, I really, the Bible's good, but, you know, uh, I'll need something else as well. And it's not bad to read uh, other Christian books as well, but uh, I was looking at some of the books that you could find online, uh, like uh, here's one of them, uh, How to Be a Christian, a Workbook and Course for Believers. Not bad, right? Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. And then you go uh, through some of the, How Should Christians Vote? I'm like, okay, that's really, uh, you know, and it's sort of like, really, do we need, you know, do, is that really the, the essential and core of the faith, uh, you know, how to give a Christian wedding toast? Very important book for every one of us to read. <laughs> uh, you know, here's another one, uh, How to Interpret Dreams and Visions, uh, PDF included. That's great. There's going to be a chart there. Uh, <laughs> there's another one here, uh, Weight Loss for Christians. This is great. This won't work if you're Buddhist, I'm sorry. You know, you'll just have to be a little heavy. But the, uh, you know, really doesn't matter. Dancing with Jesus. Featuring a host of miraculous moves. <laughs> now that someone should be imprisoned for. Okay, uh, and the, then there's this one. 52 things wives need to know from their husbands. Is there really 52 things? I don't even know if I know 52 things there. Uh, and then here's a, another one, a potato that wasn't a Christian. Very, very important book that we have there. And uh, here, here's another one, uh, The Bible Cure for Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Because if you want to go deep in your faith, you need to cure IBS by the Bible cure. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's this one as well. Uh, does God ever speak through cats? <laughs> I don't know. Some people think he does. Some people think Satan speaks through cats. <laughs> I would happen to be one of those. Anyway, so, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, we can get so sidetracked from what is essential. And uh, it's natural, but you know what's going to happen is you're going to give up on a faith that no longer had Jesus in the center of it. And we can get, uh, and I'm going to talk about the importance of Christian community. And in fact, honestly, by, the Bible really doesn't know a Christian faith without Christian community. That's totally like a, an invention of American culture in the last hundred years. The cultural aspects of how we practice Christianity in America, that doesn't necessarily, when we make that central, see, one of the greatest things that can stall a spiritual comeback is religion. I'm not talking about faith, I'm talking about uh, non-essential elements. C.S. Lewis said this, as soon as you make the second thing the first thing, you ruin the second and miss the first thing. Uh, you take something like wine. That's the second thing. Made for enjoyment, but when you make it a first thing, it'll ruin your life. It'll ruin every relationship. It'll ruin your finances. It'll ruin your career. And sometimes what we'll do is we will make second things first things. And so, so Peter says, see, I think somewhere along the line, Peter had thought, you know, being, I'm, I'm sort of Jesus' number two guy. I'm, I'm sort of a big deal. And 
he had lost what Jesus had come to do, to show him grace, to provide a way of forgiveness and hope to where he could have a relationship with God the Father. In the Bible, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, you can even study in the scriptures, good things. You know, it talks about angels, talks about uh, the miracles, ceremonies, feasts, all of that. But know that Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead, is, is the central tenet of the Christian faith and the one that we're never to go far from. And in fact, uh, it's interesting, if you look at, I think it's First Peter 4, 7, this isn't in your outline, when it talks about uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the idea that Jesus will come again someday, and this day it'll be, when he comes, it'll be to make everything right. That there will be no more injustice. There will be no more pain. And it's interesting what Peter says, though. He says, the Lord is near, and then he says, so live lives that honor God. He doesn't say, you know, so form a Bible study to where you can figure out when Jesus is coming back. You know, go ahead and get a billboard and tell people that Jesus is coming back on these certain dates. Uh, He says, just live a life that's centered in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ and who he is. Well, part of this, part of this better than new faith is developing new rhythms of life. Uh, In fact, Peter uh, talks uh, about this uh, quite a bit. And you know, uh, Rick Warren says this. He said, "You, you believe the parts of the Bible that you practice. Uh, and in 1 Peter 2.1, uh, we read this. It says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now, now it's interesting. He's talking to a group of Christ followers. And can you believe these bad people still had malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind? Uh, by, by the way, the whole, you know, Christians are hypocrites. Everybody's a hypocrite. Get over it. <laughs> uh, like, like a newborn baby's, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So, so there's this process where my life is different, not because I'm trying to earn God's love or favor, but because if I want a better than new faith, if I want to have a spiritual comeback that's enduring and lasting, then I'm going to live differently. Uh, and then uh, we read later on uh, in First Peter, it says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And again, it's focused on uh, the relationship with God, but also a trusting God with our relationship with each other, with how we live our lives. Faith is defined as trusting God. Not, our faith doesn't have to be perfect. In the Bible, it says this, we have faith like a mustard seed that God will use that faith. And and God will move mountains with that kind of faith. And that happens when we, as we talk about it here, we we take our our next right step in Jesus Christ. 
I'm not sure what yours is, what the new rhythms, but, but I was thinking about this and I was praying about this. What have I observed of Christians who have a joyful, long-term, life-giving faith? You know, uh, so that, I'm not just talking about everyone who calls himself a Christian because, you know, you, you, you've seen people who look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. I just love the Lord. You know, like, okay, don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, so, but people who really have a joyful, life-giving faith, because really that's what we want as well. Some of the things I, I've noticed about them, uh, and, and the first one I didn't want to put because it's, you know, obviously you're in church today, is they do, they worship regularly. People who, who have a long-term faith, they, they're connected with this thing called the church. It doesn't have to be Timberlake Church, but they are connected in a regular way where they uh, live out life in community. And also, I've noticed that they also connect with other uh, people, other people who are cheering them on in their faith. Uh, now, venues we have here, obviously, are groups. So many, by the way, so many of you sign up for groups, which is awesome. Uh, it's there, I, I still think uh, you can this weekend. I'm not sure, but you, I think there's still some groups you can join in. Uh, in ministry teams, just someone who knows you. Uh, they read the Bible or a devotional or both. Uh, so I would encourage you that if you've never, uh, you know, gotten, in fact, if you, if you don't uh, have a Bible, we will give you a Bible or you can download one for free on your phone. If you still like paper Bibles, we have those too, just so you can feel like it's a real Bible. Uh, and encourage you, uh, start with the Gospel of Luke or John, and we'll help you to grow in your faith. Their priorities have changed. Uh, I've noticed that people who have a long-haul faith, their priorities have changed. I was riding with a buddy of mine, and uh, he, we were riding along, and a brand-new Tesla came along. And, uh, he, and he said, okay, that's what I would like. If I had the money... I would get a Tesla. And by the way, if you have a Tesla, nothing on you. You know, in fact, if you want to get rid of it and give it to your pastor, you'll probably get into heaven. You know, I, so, uh, so they're good cars. They're awesome cars. But I was thinking of my friend, and the truth is, and, and I was thinking in this, he could have had a Tesla. He, he could have, easily. Because he would say it was, to, because he's, part of his habit is he's a sacrificial giver. And uh, I, I know when we went through our, our building campaign, by the way, it's over if you're new here. Whew, you made it just in time. So, <laughs> so this is not, not to raise money for a building. Feel safe. It's okay. <laughs> but we are going to take a couple offerings. No, the, uh, but the, the truth is, he, was so, he had a lot of a Tesla paid for. But you know what was more important to him? The... 175 people who've been baptized this year, him and his wife, the you having a place to sit, the ministry on all the campuses. And so I've just noticed that, that their priorities have changed. Uh, I, I noticed that Christians who have a long-term uh, faith share their faith with someone. And, and what, what do I mean by that? Is that, is that you would just, in a natural way, say what Jesus is doing in your life. In fact, you, know, you don't even have to have all the answers. Uh, you might say, hey, I've only been a Christian a week. 
great. Uh, I've just noticed that, though. They repent early and often. Uh, I've noticed that people who have a long-term faith, they don't think, well, you know what? I became a Christian back in 1988. I asked God to forgive me of my sins and praise the Lord, haven't sinned since. Yeah, no, that, that's called hypocrisy. Uh, but I know, but just quicker repenters is a sign of maturity. And I know they believe in God even when they can't see what he's up to. And, and this is the other part of a a spiritual comeback, a better than new faith, and this is a part that's not always the easiest part, is they accept pain as part of the process. That pain uh, is part of the process. And, and the truth is, is that life involves pain. We all have scars. We have physical scars. We have, uh, I was thinking about that. I have, I have a scar on my chin right here. You can't see it because of my uh, goatee, and it was from when I was a little baby. I was in the hospital for about the, uh, uh, in and out for the first few years of my life, and I crawled out of a crib, and I went splat on there. Still have trauma from it, just to let you know. I, uh, I have another scar. It's sort of gone away from right here. Uh, I, as a little kid, I was there. We, uh, there was a guy smoking, and uh, by accident, he thought he was putting it out like on a rock or a tree, and he put the cigarette on my arm. Did I mention I'm from Tacoma? The, uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's another scar. I have a huge scar right here when I was a youth pastor serving the Lord Jesus Christ with kids up in the mountain, and we were playing some game of capture the flag, and I fell on a sheet of ice, cracked open my knee, blood everywhere, and these poor kids heard words they should have never heard from a pastor's mouth. <laughs> and uh, some of them are traumatized today. You know, so you have those. But, but what, are, what are the biggest scars? You know, mine is a betrayal from a close friend and that, uh, that I never saw coming. One of the scars is when I chose as a young adult, popularity over faithfulness to Jesus. It was a self-inflicted wound. Scarve someone who sent me a nasty note. And it's with that pain that Jesus wants to enter into your world. I don't know what the scars are like. I don't know how deep they go in your life. I don't know if it was your fault but I do know that Jesus wants to meet you there. Here, here, here's what Peter says, and he's writing to people who are being persecuted uh, primarily for, for, their, for their faith. But I think we can extrapolate this. He says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that uh, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And, and there's that sense of I am not going to be undone by the fear that I have. I'm not going to be undone by the frustration. I'm not going to be undone by some weird 
false teaching. And here's the key idea, is that I am defined by my faith and not by my failures. When Jesus looked at Peter, he gave him his greatest ministry after his greatest failure. Have you thought about that? That Peter's ministry was minuscule prior to that. And, and, but Peter was defined by saying, I, I may have failed before, but my faith is in Jesus. And for, for many of us, my hope is that you will let that be true of you. It says in 1 Peter 2, 24, 25, By his wounds you have been healed, for you are like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. One of the great things we're doing in this series is uh, we've been looking at some of the comeback stories, not only in the Bible, but of people who have been here at Timberlake Church and have come to faith in Jesus Christ and uh, how God has transformed them and then catching up with them uh, a number of years later. Uh, today you're going to hear the story of Johnny DeClotz. Now Johnny uh, was actually, this is the first time we ever used video uh, at Timberlake to share someone's story. So if it looks like this was set in the 1950s, <laughs> a little, uh, but it, amazing. Jo- Johnny was raised in sort of a religious environment, but he would say that, that he had not connected with Jesus, uh, but whatever it was, he had gone far from his faith. And I remember uh, meeting him. Uh, at the time, he was one of, the few younger people in the church. I, I, before I say any more, I just want you to hear Johnny's story. 